0: If you can't effectively communicate your vision to your employees and paid team members, how in the world can you communicate it to the world?
1: We are Michael Vizi in London, England. And Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. More importantly, you are the owner of a thriving online business and you want to become the best e-commerce leader you can be. We're here to get you there. For show notes with links and resources mentioned today, and for other GC resources like downloads, just visit our blog, TheEcommerceLeader.com. Today's sponsor is Eva, the best Amazon stock management tool. How much has going out of stock cost you over the lifetime of your business? And what is it going to cost you this Q4? eva predicts precisely what stock you need it learns from your account and it improves constantly eva serves hundreds of private label seven-figure sellers to get a 15-day free trial go to amazingfba.com forward slash eva that's amazingfba.com forward slash eva Hey folks welcome back to the e-commerce leader today we are continuing our discussion about building team culture how to co-create a vision with your your fellow team members so that everybody is on board really important stuff it sounds a bit abstract but if you don't get this right it really does have a big impact on how your teams perform so it's really really worth getting right and I think it's a bit of an under-discussed topic so hopefully you'll find it really really helpful and I hope you do. Enjoy the show. So that's the the downside when it doesn't work. But how do we get to the higher level, visionary part of this shared vision? Then the the more
0: inspiring bit, if you like. Are you ready? I have an acronym for you. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to call this my SLIMA model. S <laughs> L I M A. SLIMA. It's. I think that might catch on. This might really be. This might really be a New York Times bestselling acronym that takes over over time. You know, there's smart goals and there's there's uh whatever, all, all kinds of SWOT analysis and now so they're gonna, gonna have slimy, slimy goals, slimy, slimy goals. So they're like
1: okay, <laughs> tell me what this acronym stands for then.
0: Okay. Yeah. With that build buildup, I, I think you've got to have a shared vision that you you communicate with people that have a few attributes. And so here they are. So this is the slima. The first thing is they need to be strategic. You want to create a shared vision with people that they see as strategic, like you know, if, you, if you've got a shared vision, um, then, you know, they're going to see it and think, yes, this makes good sense. People won't follow, you know, a crazy plan. And so, you've got to be strategic about what you're sharing. The second thing is logical. It has to make logical sense to them to execute on. The third thing is inspiring. It's got to be something that really motivates and that, that we can rally around. And the the next one is it's got to be mutually beneficial. Having the shared vision that you help me get rich is not a good mutually beneficial shared vision, is it? And then the the final thing is it's got to be achievable. It's got to be a shared vision that people can achieve. And, and the precursor to all of this is the best way to get at this, the very best kind of approach to all of this is the best vision is co-created. If you co-create a vision with somebody, then it's theirs as much as it is yours. And I think it's a really, really under-considered business objectives and and planning thought. Co-creating with somebody where you can both execute on something is even if it's not your complete perfect vision that you personally had in your mind, is going to be infinitely stronger. You know, whatever that metaphor is where they have two horses or like one horse can pull like, I don't even know what it is, like a thousand pounds or a pound or I don't even know what it is. But then two horses put together like 64 times exponentially stronger. And so, the co-created vision, in my view, is the gold standard to achieve and to get to. And if you can buy into it and the other person buys into it, you've got something very, very powerful that you'll then build together, you know?
1: Yeah, I really like this. I mean, the first thing to say is it sounds kind of obvious. It's almost a cliche these days. Tom Peters said in "In Search of Excellence, which was, I guess, based on companies in the 80s, right, or certainly early 90s at the latest, he said, no involvement, no commitment. I remember underlining this and asterisking it because he said, underline this and asterisk it. No involvement, no commitment. So he was very serious about it. But the truth is in most of my collaborations or hirings, I've not really done this. Actually, one of the exceptions is, uh, as you mentioned, when we created this podcast, you and I sat down and I think probably at your invitation, but also I was very happy to go through this. We really had several discussions where we talked about what is the sort of editorial... It wasn't just how do we make money out of this, although we did think about that, but it was more about what's the, the brand, the look and feel, what are we not mm-hmm. going to do? How do we want our podcast to stand out amongst other things? Mm-hmm. And we made several decisions that I think have really been very clear guidelines for us for the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. So that's an example of how it should be done on, I think, actually quite rare. And so there, there's a lot of yeah. easy wins there if you actually remember to do it, I think.
0: And I think with a team approach, You've got an opportunity when new team members come in, because usually what we're doing as team builders is we're looking for someone to fill a role in an area of the business that is deficient or not being managed. Or, you know, we're doing ourselves and we know we're doing it, you know, ineffectively and we want somebody to come alongside. That's a common, you know, situation many entrepreneurs find themselves in. And I think it's in that situation you have a perfect setup to say to the new person, if you've hired them well, hey, you're the expert in this space. We're not doing it well right now. Let's co-create this idea of how this should be done. Give us your best learnings and lessons from your prior work experience and your ideas. Let us explain from our side how things work in our business right now. And let's co-create a plan that goes forward that you can execute on. It's really a per setup for that idea of having them be highly invested in the vision because they've helped create it. And, and as entrepreneurs, we can do that over and over and over as we scale up our, our business. And I, I think it's a there's a, a lot of just very simple, you know, logic that you can apply there, hmm. as opposed to saying to someone, something along the lines of i'm no expert and we're managing this horribly right now nonetheless let me tell you exactly what you're supposed to do yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, what? <laughs> <laughs> i so. think this is this is a very good point
1: and this i just want to put another nuance into this point because i think it depends who you're hiring if you're hiring for example i've got a graphic designer that works very very much part-time with me but she knows me in the brand by now and um she's an expert in graphic design so if i bring her in I expect her to be much better at graphic design than me, whereas I've just hired somebody to be a, a, a virtual assistant and sort of blended role of different things. One of which, is another point here, sort of grew out of his uh, resume, because I've been wanting to develop some outbound uh, marketing efforts for about a year and a half, and just thought I've never got around to it. He has some outbound marketing experience, but he did make the point, which is entirely valid, that he said, well, look, I will need a structure, or he put it more or less this way, which was good managing up even in the hiring interview, which is one reason I hired him um you know so in other words he was making the point gently and diplomatically but firmly that it's up to me as the manager to manage it because i'm not hiring him with a pre-existing skill set as somebody uh who's got loads of expertise i'm hiring somebody who has a certain amount of of experience in that area but was not in a managerial role if you see what i mean so i think there are different levels of appropriateness of how much leadership from you people expect versus how much is a co-creation in the purest sense if you see what i mean yeah totally totally
0: agree sure yeah love it.
1: So then the other question I guess less extreme than than the when people are behaving just badly or incompetently. When mm-hmm. it's going okay but people aren't really buying into your shared vision, how do you address that more subtle situation?
0: Yeah, yeah. I that's a hard that's a hard question to answer. I would say there's three situations or three three paths that you have to explore when it's just not working, people aren't executing, you know, clearly in the way you had envisioned and you feel like there's a real mis- misalignment or or even worse, when they're clearly executing with their own intention and their own vision that's contrary to what you wanted to see happen. There's three things that are that are happening there. One is you've badly explained the vision or it hasn't been co-created in such a way that, you know, they, they've clearly not understood it. And maybe the fault is with, with you as we've talked about. Second, so that's one thing. Second thing could be that they just aren't the right people. And they're, they're clearly not going to work with you in a way that's co-creative and, and executing against the same plan or vision. So that's the reality. They might just be a bad fit. And, but the third thing is the harder one. And that's that you might just be going through the, the kind of the, what people call the forming, storming, and norming kind of team building process where they're new, you're new to working with them. They're not quite dialed in yet. And you have to go through this rocky patch where first you form as a group and then you storm, you know, kind of chaos or whatever. And then you get into the normal routine and you you have to evaluate whether that's what's happening or not. And if it is where you're at in that cycle and how do you get through that patch where you find your, sea legs, I guess, if you're on a boat together and you can really start to work effectively together. That's a really, really common scenario. And so I think that's it's a hard thing for us to know as as one of the you know leaders is are, am I in that period with someone? And can we make this, or is this the sign that they're just not the right person? Or again, the sign that maybe I haven't communicated effectively.
1: Yeah, these are very, very thoughtful responses to the situation. I think often the default response is, I've hired an idiot. How could he possibly not get it and then to disfire. fire? There's, there's a phrase which I think in America is very popular, which is hire slowly, fire quickly. And I'm not really convinced that's always the case. I mean, I don't think you should let somebody hang on longer than you intuitively know genuinely this ain't working but I think you're right that there is a, a period there's a little bit of a honeymoon period and then there's the reality of, of the difficulties and you need to mm-hmm. you know I guess your judgment probably just gets better over time with, with telling the difference
0: between this is
1: just teething problems and versus this ain't going to work is it I think that's...
0: yeah yeah Te- teething problems I guess is a good yeah. way to phrase it yeah so th- <laughs> it is hard to know and I think over time you just get um, better at realizing you give it your best You figure out over time with experience, how best to approach people. Hmm. And then, but sometimes you still get surprised and sometimes you get surprised by your own behavior and your own insecurity or, or limitations. And sometimes you get surprised by other people's. And so the dose of humility I think is important there, but, but those are the crossroads you're at, you know, is it them? Is it you or is it just normal and you'll work through it together?
1: Just a couple of uh, responses to your uh, other points as well. the visions bad or badly explained? I mean, I think it's extremely common to have not so much a bad vision as to have really an absence of one. You think you've got a vision, but it's very unfocused and vague. And by the way, I interview, you know, obviously tons and tons of e-commerce entrepreneurs and and SaaS and, and agency owners. And most of them, I simply say, I'm not trying to test them, but I, it's a real acid test over time. I've noticed I say, so in one sentence, so I can introduce you cleanly for the podcast. What does your business do? And then they come out with corporate stuff or they come out with something that's way too long and vague. And that's a real test. If you can't explain what your business does in a sentence to a stranger, then you may have an issue. And that's okay to go through those phases. Sometimes a coach can really help with that or a branding expert if you really want to go deep diving. But I think having gone through a process like that before you talk to your team or if it's not looking clear to, to reiterate... You know, maybe privately talk with a coach or, or, or a fellow entrepreneur who's not involved in your business and then go back and try and rearticulate that can help, I think. And then at that point, you may need to give the employee, as you said earlier, more or less, or implied the yeah. option that this is not what you thought it was. And you may need to give them the option to say this, this is not what I thought it was. It's, it's not what I want to stick around for, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that happens as I've worked with people now for what three and a half, four years, one-on-one coaching. I think that happens what you just described hmm. because people see trainings about business models and then they say to themselves, that's a business model I could take off the shelf from this guru or expert and I could install, install into my life, my situation, my circumstance. And therefore I'm now operating a business model that got told to me or, or explained to me or taught to me. And But usually they've tacked that onto other things and and, and slices of other ideas. And maybe Franken-business has been created. And sometimes you see that and hear that in people when you ask them those kinds of details. And you realize they haven't really spent enough time with their baby to really realize how do I talk about this, explain it, grow it in and manage it. And sometimes they're big, you know, sometimes they've had seven figure successes that are popped, you know, and and, and so it's not as if they haven't been successful, but they've still maybe not really fully stewed on their business model. And some of that's just a function of time. After running the same business model for over a decade, I can tell you, we've thought a lot about it. (laughs) But when you're only you know, 12 months into it or you know, 18 months into it, you you still have fuzziness in yeah. what you're doing. And, and that's par for the course, you know. Yeah. It is. I, I think it is
1: par for the course, but I think also when you get to certain inflection points, if you hire a coach for the first time, if you hire a person you're paying for the first time, what it does is force you to articulate things. And when you try and articulate things, sometimes you realize you have no flipping idea. Like I had two, in terms of horror stories, I had a really, I thought I I was quite proud of myself. I started up to four in the morning one day, um, just working on, that's not what I'm proud of myself, but I I was working on really structured interview questions. I had my outgoing assistant, who's fantastic, part of the interview process and we had a chat a debrief afterwards i thought oh wow that was so much better than two years ago but then i was trying to explain some of the sort of outbound sales ideas to to this guy in a second interview where i was going to discuss fees and stuff and and it was all over the map and i think um that was part of a rather painful and rather embarrassing way of me realizing that i have not formed my thoughts at all around the sales thing and that's okay, but it showed me where I'm at. I thought I was kind of mentally clocking myself as I'm sort of four out of 10 for clarity, but I was about one and a half out of 10. And that's okay, because now I need yeah. to go away and really train myself, take trainings, listen to podcasts, write things out, run it past cleverer friends, maybe including yourself, and then then write it down. And you know, yeah. there's various processes that need to happen. And sometimes you don't know you're not there until you try and explain it. So you know, it's part of the, the humility yeah. piece again, isn't it really?
0: Well, the scarier point is, If you can't effectively communicate your vision to your employees and paid team members, how in the world can you communicate it to the world?
1: A hundred (laughs) percent, you're absolutely right, yeah. so uh, So, i guess embarrassment in the hiring interviews is is is, it can be quite embarrassing because it's a one-to-one and they're kind of looking you for leadership because that's your Mm -hmm. job literally and you're not able to ride it at that point but as you say the people out there who don't ever talk to you don't send you emails and don't give you rude reviews on amazon or anything else are just simply not buying your product or service because they're confused and you're right it's a really great reality check that could actually help you make a lot more money once you've got
0: it nailed down i think and i'm not saying i'm good at this but I'll just tell you one example for because of a deficit I saw in our own business Kyle and I's business and that's that you know we're we have three or four or five things that we do and we can communicate about any one of them at any given time and I realized that it could be very disorienting to our you know email list you know subscribers or whatever so I just wrote something probably nine months ago or so that I have at the bottom of our email that goes out every week. And it's just called the company we're building to serve you. And it has the four buckets that we are, are, are building or are run. and in every newsletter. And I just keep it in there because as people join our list, maybe they've joined because we've done a special event. We get on our list and they're like, I didn't know you had a SaaS software, you know, set of tools. Or maybe they joined because they had the SaaS software set of tools. And they said, I didn't know you had group coaching or a group thing. And, and so, m- you know, my thinking was, I'll just say exactly the company we're building to serve them in every newsletter. So there's no ambiguity. And hopefully that helps people be oriented to what, you know, we call our SaaS plus model, which is software plus education consulting. Hmm. And done free services which is a mouthful i mean i just yeah. even saying it right there is like yeah. what? All? what, what all yeah. do? You
1: do? <laughs> so, i think i think yeah. you're right and the more complex you're offering i mean what you're offering as a sort of package totally makes sense to this sort of progression possibilities their expansion possibilities for your clients so it will really serve them better as well as giving you a chance to monetize relationships better and all the rest of it but it is quite a strategic way of thinking, and therefore it's not quick and easy to communicate. So I think you're absolutely right. The more complicated your offering is, the more clarity you have to have with everyone. And that yeah. includes marketing. But it very much, another way of putting it, and, and I thought this was well put, is recruitment is a marketing function. In other mm-hmm. words, you, you need to attract, sell into a vision, and then keep sold into and, and deepen that connection mm-hmm. with vision of your employees or contractors or team members, whatever we're calling them. And yeah, that that's sometimes something, sometimes people do nail the marketing messaging externally, but they don't really communicate that internally. And I think that that's another disconnect that you can yeah. see, right? And less common, but it's still there, I think.
0: Yeah, and obviously we're applying all of these conversational components to the e-commerce business, kitchen table entrepreneur and people who are scaling up companies and teams in the e-commerce space. But this is all true. And I in my other with my other hats on, I think about how this applies to our charity, where we have volunteers all around the world. And we have a team in Zambia of, you know, 63 people. We wrote a book in 2016 initially, and then we re-released it in 2019, early 2020. And it's called We Are So Powerful. And it's our story, but it's also the whole middle of the book is about 50 stories of our volunteers and their expression of collaboration and partnership with with our charity. And that uh, we're re- reworking that book right now for the third edition. And that to me is the content of that book is, is their stories. And, and when you hear them explain their vision and their story related to what, uh, you know, the organization that you're, you're running and working on, it's very, very fascinating because you hear people articulate things back to you that you know, sometimes it's what you had said. Sometimes it's what they heard. Sometimes it's what you emphasize. Sometimes it's something you casually mentioned, but it's it's a, a, a way in which you hear them rearticulate a shared vision. And it's just fascinating. And it makes you realize that communication is incredibly challenging. But when done well, or when worked on, it can be incredibly powerful as well.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. And what you said, a couple of fascinating things. And by the way, all these things you get to communicate internally, but I think our prospects and and clients or customers are also thinking similar things, but we often never hear from them. Mm-hmm. And that is Um, the thing the feature you thought was just a little extra for somebody can be the single most important thing for them (laughs) and the way of putting things that you hadn't thought that much about but you had to put a little bit of thought was really emotionally important to them so those are two sort of responses Mm -hmm. that i think are quite typical and it's a reminder that communication there's all sorts of academic theories right but it's not just what you say the broadcast bit is what's received is often Mm -hmm. violently different like Mm -hmm. completely different and we're talking even native language speakers yeah. You know, it, it can really be different. Our husbands and wives are a famous place where that can happen, but also within a team. And, and it's good, again, to the humility point, if you've got the patience to explore, when I said X, what did you understand by that? Mm-hmm. And and, I, and listen to the answer. And instead of telling them off, because that will not induce future content communication, and I have to re- restrain myself there. And I'd think, okay, so what I meant was Z. <laughs> and then, you know, you can correct Corsa so to the point of, is this just forming, storming, or norming? I think you can't really tell if you haven't put, put proper communications in and at least check things. You can't really tell yet whether they're the right fit or whether it's just terrible management. And I would say uh, that having uh, frequent meeting rhythms is really something I've been naturally weak on. And I'm really trying to get myself back on track with that, because I think without that, yeah. I don't know if I have the right to expect to. And I'm, I'm not mm-hmm. talking about so, so much, you know, a small collaboration, like if I hire somebody on Fiverr or a one off project for a little bit of, of graphic design work. But if I've got a regular employee or it's a big project like a, a website redesign, if I don't make time for regular meetings, even if theoretically the, the com- you've communicated the facts, I, I, that contact isn't there. The top of mindness of you and your project isn't there. The connection isn't there. And my experience is, particularly with remote working, that I think I need to default to more meetings is better than too few if, if I'm going to err on the side these days.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I think the frequency of communication is a key part of getting the vision clear in both both parties' minds, all parties' minds. Yeah, absolutely. All right, man, we better wrap up the show. My internet has decided to quit on me here. So you, you want to wrap it up here? You want me to? What do you want to do?
1: Yeah, why don't you just summarize your your thoughts? So it's mostly
0: been your, your sort of stuff on the, the shared vision. Why don't you summarize what we've got today? Yep, happy to do it. So bottom line, creating a shared vision Looks like casting, whether it's co-created with the person you're working with as a team or group together, casting something effective that's strategic, logical, inspiring, mutually beneficial, and achievable. The acronym SLIMA, which I know is going to be super popular. It's going to trend on Twitter. So just remember to tag me when uh, that happens. And we really, really encourage you to think about whether your vision is being co-created, and effectively communicated. And hopefully this conversation has helped make that a reality for you. So there you have it, a little bit of uh, best practice and tips for how to create a, a shared vision.
1: Really like this stuff, man. It's, it's a great topic, under discussed, I think, compared to how impactful it is. So hopefully, uh, those who are listening will find the same. Thanks so much if you've joined us live today, and uh, don't forget to put your comments and questions. We'll look at them after the show as well, I promise. And the other thing, of course, is that all of this is is being put through all the podcast channels, usual places. Don't forget to subscribe if you're enjoying this, so that you get regular content. um If you can give us a a, a rating out of five stars on Apple Podcasts, that's always really really helpful. And also in the call-in app these days, a very cutting-edge bit of technology that we're on uh, every Tuesday. I'm just trying to think of the time zone conversion. So it's 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 Mm -hmm. a.m. Eastern and 4 p.m. UK Mm -hmm. time or 5 p.m. Central European time. So come and join us there for our hot takes with Chris Green and Kyle Hamer as well. So lots of places you can reach us. It's it's all exciting stuff. Uh, We're we're spreading the word, the best business practice. And Jason has always just want to finish by saying it's it's just such a a privilege to talk to somebody who thinks things through at this Level. And I, I think that's going to help everybody's run, run their businesses that much more effectively as well. Thank you, man.
0: Great conversation. Really enjoyed it.
1: That was the e-commerce leader podcast with Michael Vizi in London, England, and Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. If you liked this content, don't forget to subscribe to the show on your podcast app. For free resources, including PDFs and videos on topics like traffic, products, and sales channels, just go to www.TheEcommerceLeader.com. No hyphens, just as it sounds. Thanks so much for listening.